I'm Craig Kenneth, a relationship coach and a psychotherapist. Every relationship is different and every breakup is different. Work with me and you'll get professional help on your situation. And if you're in no contact, focused on personal growth, my workbook series, The Knowledge, will help you make changes like you've never made before. Available now at AskCraig.net. Hi there, I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. Hi there, I'm Coach Margaret. And today we're going to be talking about dysfunctional families. Now I have promised a number of people that I would do this um, speech on dysfunctional families because sometimes I can predict people's behavior, particularly traumatized women, because this is a population I've worked with forever. Mm -hmm. All right. So for those of you out there that were in a relationship with somebody From that was in a dysfunctional family, mm -hmm. this is going to give you insight into yes. understanding why the way they why they are the way they are, what they've been through, and overall and what and how much you can expect of them mm -hmm. um, oftentimes people who come from this kind of family have learned to live from minute to minute and don't do a lot of planning ahead okay all right but it's been a survival tactic okay now where did I learn about dysfunctional families uh, I began in this in this whole business doing pro child protective work which meant after there was a report to the county or the city or whoever it was that a child had been abused and neglected, I would go out and make a home visit and say basically what happened here. Mm -hmm. And most of the time they would let me in. Um, only once or twice did people not let me in. And I have a funny story about one of those which I'll tell later if we have time. Um, one lady, I'll never forget it, one lady let me in, made me a cup of tea, sat me down, was very pleasant and said, now what agency dear are you from? Mm -hmm. After I talked to her for a while, I realized that she had like seven dysfunctional children, all of whom were involved with different agencies, so probably every morning some smiling social worker came to her door, mm -hmm. okay? But it cracked me up. She didn't really care which one it was since I smiled at her, mm -hmm. you know, and I got my cup of tea. And the ones who didn't let me in told me later um, that they were, they were scared. And I'll tell you another wonderful story. I went to make a home visit to this wonderful woman and she wouldn't let me in. And I left her a note and she didn't acknowledge that she got it. So I went back the next week and still the same. And I went back the third week, still the same. The fourth week I couldn't go and she called me to say, where were you? <laughs> I'm not making that up. I couldn't. I couldn't. Which I think sort of went to kind of where these families are stuck, which is they need help and they don't know how to ask for it. So they find non-verbal ways of asking for it. Often by having a referral to DCF, they'll send the kid to school with bruises. They might as well send a telegram. Please send someone to my house, okay? They need help, but they don't know how to ask for it. And this woman was typical. I don't know that I want any outside help. I don't know if I want anybody in my house, but you came three times, so you might be gonna make an effort to help me. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a really important point that you yeah. made is that people often times can't tell you how they feel yeah. and what they need and what they need. Right. And so they act out. They act out in order to get your attention. Kids do it all the time. And so do grown-ups. And you're right. We can all, even those of us who know about it, 
don't always ask people who are doing crazy things or unusual things, what's going on? You know, mm -hmm. maybe you're upset about something. Good point, Greg. Um, then they, they told me that they'd let you in the house if you smiled at them and if you looked like you wouldn't be bowled over by their problems, mm -hmm. which were often volumes and volumes, mm -hmm. okay? Um, most of the reports were from or from child abuse referrals, like I said, and that would show you just the introduction to families that were in a whole lot of trouble. If you make a home visit to a dysfunctional family, usually the first thing that you notice is the smell of the rug that hasn't been vacuumed recently at all. And then you meet the huge dog that you know they can't afford to have or, or, or feed or take care of, yeah. but he makes them feel safe and he loves them. So the dog stays. Um, I learned to tell a whole lot by the condition of the dog. When the Irish setter got in my lap one week, I decided that it had not been a good, a good week for the family. Okay, even the poor dog was feeling stressed. All right. Um, people were usually pretty open, um, but they were always in a, in a state of confusion and chaos. So you'd go in the house and you'd find a sort of pleasant but downtrodden looking mom, usually. Mm -hmm. um, who was trying to take care of her kids and had all kinds of problems. Mm -hmm. Eviction, loss of job, legal troubles, reports to DSS, that's why I was there, problems with AFDC benefits, repossessed car, threats from the landlord, um, father in jail calling for money. I mean, it went on and on and on. And you wondered how many problems just one, one family could have. Yeah. Um, and of course, all of this was always complicated by the fact that nobody had any money okay sure. you really despite what the public thinks you cannot support a family in any reasonable way on AFDC and food stamps you can't do it um, so there really had to be some other source of income for them not to be and these folks would be evicted all the time um, and you'd have to go find them living with more dysfunctional relatives mm -hmm. which was never a help um, there was always a big screen TV, however, and one of my all-time favorite stories, they always had a big screen TV, yes. and I asked one time, so how come you have that really nice TV? I think it had SpongeBob on it, and mm -hmm. it was amazing. And the lady said that at Christmas time, often certain people, some of them that they know, come by to sell stuff for Christmas in the little neighborhood where they lived, where everybody was in the same boat. Uh -huh. And so she got it from cheap for cheap, and the guy's name who comes every Christmas to sell stolen TVs, is the truth, was named Spaghetti. <laughs> he sounds like a real meatball. Yes, he does. <laughs> oh, yes, he does. And uh, some of them, I guess, in the, in the, in the neighborhood had, had gotten in trouble for buying stolen goods. Um, but this is the kind of thing that happens to them all of the time. Yeah. If there's a problem around, um, this family will have it. I have noticed that um, in a lot of the low-income families yeah. that I used to work with, yeah. they always had the newest cell phone. Always, yes. If the new one was out, they had it. They didn't have a lot of money for anything else, but they had the newest cell phone. Yeah. They It made them feel good. Yep. Despite the rest of the house falling apart, roaches crawling everywhere. Right. They had the new cell phone. The new cell phone. Yeah. And for a while it was microwaves. And I have an old book that is still wonderful, however many, 30, 35 years later, that says they always had the pop-up toaster before anybody else. <laughs> That's how old it is. 
All right, so but, whatever the newest, latest, yep. and greatest thing is, yep. they have to have it. Yep, exactly. I guess it helps them feel better about their I situation. Think it does. Yeah. And don't buy anything from anybody named spaghetti, macaroni, or any other related, <laughs> related name. Um, usually when I would respond, the report would be for a school-aged child to the school, that the child did something or came with bruises or there was some problem. There would be, the child would be, like I say, school-aged, anywhere from eight on. There would be, this is the standard family, okay? This is not any particular family I'm talking about. And please understand, I'm not putting these people down. I love them. I have spent 30 odd years working with mm -hmm. them. Um, there was always an older brother um, who was in juvenile detention. He was always part of the family. Um, there was always a 12 or 13 year old girl who was running around with boys prematurely and everybody was afraid that she was going to get pregnant to the point where they said it to her enough I think she thought it was her job yeah okay um, and a lot of that kind of thing would go on you're running around with boys at 12 and 13 and the next thing you know you're going to be pregnant the unconscious hears you're going to be pregnant yeah right and it says oh if that's what you want me to do I'll be glad to do mm -hmm. that um, Mother was getting frequent phone calls from all the outside agencies who were involved with the family. So now she's getting calls from, uh, it was DSS when I did it in Massachusetts. She's getting calls from DSS. She's soon going to be getting calls from me. She's getting calls from the juvenile probation officer for the son. She's getting calls from her first husband who's in jail wanting money. So you could just begin to see what her life was like. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and, you know, if you have an ex or a partner that is in this kind of environment, mm -hmm. Margaret, what are some of the things you can expect from them as a romantic partner, as an adult? What I run into the most is people who cannot make decisions. And I'll say to the distressed partner who calls me and says, my girlfriend is with somebody else. She came from a, here's what I usually hear. Um, my girlfriend is with somebody else, she threw me over for somebody else, and I don't understand why, I was really nice to her. Um, I, and I will say something brilliant like, sounds like she comes from kind of a crazy family. And yes, blah blah blah, was there any abuse? Yes, there are some vague stories about sexual abuse, but I don't know what happened. Mm -hmm. So that way you have a traumatized woman, um, who's probably, and I'm going to go into the rest of these characteristics in a minute, okay. who has probably had a very difficult time separating from her family and knows she can't make decisions on her own um, because she's never learned to, she's never been allowed to, and they expect her to be able to make a decision to be with them when she's in no position on earth to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, okay, you have let's say in this case a woman that can't make decisions right. why would that make her leave for another man hang in there I'm gonna tell you good alright because I think that's what everybody's wondering yeah okay good thank you and if I don't go back to it with me I just forgot what you said <laughs> <laughs> um, being in the in this kind of a household never feels safe the man in the house, whoever it was, was usually using a substance and mother might or might not be using with him. But by the time, you know, I get there for my referral, he's in jail already. Mm -hmm. Most afternoons, things would escalate and family members would be either throwing things at each other or screaming. That's when the kids came home from school. And I would make it a point. 
to go out at just around the time the kids were coming home from school because whatever went on then told me an awful lot about what was going on in the family. Yep. Um, there was a lot of physical violence in the house between the adults, the adults and the children, and the children on the children. Okay, Mom would be screaming, don't hit your little sister and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. The older children had been sexually abused by the father of one of mother's brothers because they had to stay with them once when they were evicted. You would hear this stuff all the time. Because they lived in such poverty, they would be evicted, they'd go have to stay with God knows who, and inevitably the children would be sexually abused under one of those circumstances. Okay? Mm -hmm. um, rarely did the children have the same father. Um, it didn't work out with the first guy, and so mom would remarry, hopefully, and then maybe have one or two children by the second guy. Sometimes he'd be there, sometimes he wouldn't, sometimes the third guy would be there. Mm -hmm. um, rarely did they all have the same father. Fairly often, the father of the oldest child was in jail, and the son was following in his footsteps already because he was in some kind of juvenile detention. Mother had her first child by a man who molested her when she was an adolescent. Mm. Um, and he's now in jail and calls mother for money. You saw that a lot. Yeah. All, all the time. Yeah. Um, sexual abuse is the real scourge of this kind of family. Okay? Now I also want to point out that I have seen all of the same stuff in wealthy families, but somehow it's always easier when you have a few bucks, you know? But, but the same pathology can occur. Sexual abuse is the scourge of this population. This mother had been sexually abused before getting pregnant as an adolescent with her oldest son. She had been sexually abused by her grandfather and one of her uncles. A female adolescent is currently, who's currently acting out in this family has been sexually abused possibly by the grandfather and by an uncle. Mm -hmm. I had a case one time where the man had molested 23 family members Jeez. over two generations. Now that was one particular case I had. Later when I worked with an agency that did nothing but sexual abuse cases, um, we sent several guys to jail who had molested cousins over two and three generations and everybody had kept the secret. Wow. Okay, and they could not believe they'd been caught finally. They just couldn't believe it. Um, these families have a tendency to be enmeshed. That means very close to each other. Even though they fight, they're an enmeshed family because everybody has abandonment issues. Okay, so they're enmeshed. When that gets too close for comfort, they have fist fights. You follow? Mm -hmm. So it's either the extreme of being enmeshed or um, or being abandoned, but this is how it how it plays out in these families. Mm -hmm. The first sign you get that a family is in trouble, oftentimes, is when mother keeps the kids home from school for company because mm -hmm. she's depressed, and then you start to get the truancy referrals, and that's often the first sign the community gets that a family is in trouble. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever tried to solve a, a truancy case, let me tell you, it's extremely difficult. Okay? Mother will tell you she'll send the kid to school and then she'll tell you 16 times what kind of a stomach ache he had or how he refused and she had to call the police and so forth and so on. Um, so they have a tendency to be enmeshed with a collective abandonment fear. 
Um, the maternal, in this particular family that we're talking about, the maternal grandmother, now this, this worn out woman's mother, has bipolar disorder and has been in and out of hospitals until recently when she has been taking her medication correctly. Mm -hmm. She calls constantly all day complaining and wanting something from the mother. So you can see what this mother's life is like, right? Wanting something from the mother. She also tells mother how to parent. Now there's a joke, okay? Since the poor woman had no success at it herself. Yeah. Um, but it's a very, very common scenario. Um, the maternal grandfather died of alcoholism, of course. If you are born into this kind of a family, being a girl, this is what will likely happen to you. You will be fed sufficiently to keep you alive and not emaciated. You may or may not be fed and picked up regularly, and it may not be by the mother. It could be an older sibling who remembered that you weren't fed. It could even be a neighbor. Okay? So kids in this family will, re will receive basic physical care. But any quiet atmosphere that feels secure or any constant contact with one caregiver is unlikely to happen because there's too much chaos, not because anybody planned it that way. Yeah. So that they're not going to acquire some of the basic skills and stability that you do if you're securely attached in a reasonable atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they're going to be on the edge. Um, with anxiety and depression in one form or another, usually for a lifetime. Not that people can't recover from it, they can. You will not get consistent care. And you will grow up without having a secure base, which I just said. Um, you have a great chance to grow up to be a borderline, and I think we all know what borderlines are by now. These are people who are very volatile, can't make up their mind, can get extremely angry, and do very unpredictable things. And you can struggle to establish any kind of reasonable relationship or a stable life. Kids who, girls who are sexually abused in this kind of family early on, at age 13, honest to God, I think there's a book out there with instructions. At age 13, they try to cope with the sexual abuse um, feelings that they have, the feelings they have left over from it, the anger, the hurt, the crazy feelings. They try and handle it first by cutting themselves, which makes the pain go away because it moves it to your arm instead of having it be inside. The internal pain. It moves, it removes, yeah, it's a temporary relief from the internal pain. And so these kids will turn up at emergency rooms having made suicide attempts at 13 on the nose. And those who don't turn up at the emergency room usually run away at about age 13 when they begin to feel like they have some power over their own lives, okay? Um, if you are a boy and you grow up in this family, you will be cared for the same way, inconsistently, but you will be fed enough to grow up and so forth, and you'll look pretty normal. Um, but you don't have, again, a secure base, which means there's somebody there for you when you need them. You will not be able to experience healthy attachment and a secure base either. You may have a sexual abuse history as well by the same person or persons who molested your sister. 
and we often overlook that. And I can tell you from having worked in the prison system, the boys are molested much more frequently than most people understand. Okay. Um, and the data isn't very accurate. No, on that. it isn't because the boys will always deny it. It's somehow unmanly. Yeah. Um, we could help them better if we could make it. If we could explain to them how courageous it is to reveal it. And it really is. Yes, I had somebody is. tell me today um, in a session, and I was the fourth person they'd only ever told in their life. Wow. Good for him. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he feels better. Yeah. Um, you are, if you're the boy in this family, you're more likely to climb out the window at night and hang out with whoever else climbs out their windows at night. And you'll do some minor B&Es, and then eventually you will get to juvenile detention, hopefully be, before you have Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, for like okay. shoplifting. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, minor Stealing a bike. Yeah, breaking into the shed, you know. Um, unfortunately, you may molest some younger boys you find in the neighborhood in an attempt to cope with your sexual abuse, because that stops all the crazy symptoms for the boy. The cutting cops stops the crazy symptoms for the girl. The acting out. Yep. Both you and your sister are likely to have children early on, perhaps in late adolescence. Wow. Okay. Um, mm. And that's who's in the prison. Okay. You will have grown up lonely, depressed, experiencing verbal and verbal abuse, brutal teasing, and abuse of all kinds. And how can you have much of a self-concept after all that? In your adult years, you may have many romantic relationships, but likely be plagued by the repetition compulsion. What's the repetition compulsion? If you have been traumatized as a child, um, it makes no sense whatsoever. The repetition compulsion means that you keep repeating the trauma as an adult in an effort to understand it. So the girl who grows up in this family is going to find abusive men. Mm -hmm. And I think that was your question a few minutes ago. Mm -hmm. if, the, if the woman was with this guy who seemed to be a reasonable guy and was calling us, why was she going back to the boyfriend periodically? Because he was abusive and she was caught in the repetition compulsion. And it's an attempt to figure it out. The only way I've ever thought of to explain that is to say, if I see the play enough times, Will I understand the plot? Yeah. Okay. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. Um, and it looks like it looks like these these kids keep putting themselves in the same dangerous position. That's not what's going on in their head. Besides, we're all drawn to the familiar. Yeah. And if we grew up in a chaotic family with violence, what are we going to be drawn to in adulthood? Is a chaotic family with violence until or unless somebody can process what happened in their family that's right then they then they can be able to make some different choices so that means talking about it that means talking about it and they come from families that don't talk about anything and they come from families where they have been told not to talk about anything ever because they don't want the secret crimes that have gone on in the family to be reported and i always thought they protected the perpetrator um, just because he was the perpetrator and he was kind of the man of the house, whatever family member it was, until I was straightened out by a very vocal borderline who said, not only that, he usually brings in money. We can't afford to lose it. Thank you. That straightened me right out. Certainly makes sense. Yes, it does. So, 
I think one of the things that we're trying to get a, a lot of you guys to understand especially is that you treated a girl well, she leaves you for some other guy who doesn't treat her well, and you can't understand it. Right. Why would she do that? Logically, it doesn't make sense. I'm treating her better. She's leaving me for somebody else. Right. Why, Margaret? Because she's caught in the repetition compulsion with the guy who feels familiar. Okay? Um, that is the real reason. And you can see why this first guy is quite confused. Not only that, remember, these, these people are taught not to share anything with anybody. As long as she's living with a guy who's sort of similar to who she grew up with, none of the secrets are likely to come out of her mouth. Now, there's another issue here. Because remember, we said that these families were enmeshed. It is terribly difficult for an adult woman or an adult man to separate from this kind of a family. There are many reasons for that. The collective abandonment fear is one. The other reason is keeping the secrets because if you let the grown-up family members separate too far, they could end up telling what happened here. And we certainly don't want that. Mm -hmm. So you'll get these women who are torn between the nice man, the abusive man, and mother who says, you need to come live at home and not have any man because I'm afraid you'll tell. Okay? Yeah. At which point, I will say to the man who's genuinely and understandably confused, um, what do you know about your girlfriend's ability to make decisions? Oh, I never thought about that. Well, think about it now. So he'll think about it now for a minute. And I remember I had one guy who said, she can't even decide what to have for dinner. So there's no way she could make a reasonable decision between pressure to go move home, um, pressure to stay with the abusive guy and the outrageous decision to be with the healthier guy. Chances are she's not going to be able to make a decision. And I've talked to many men who were caught in this position and that's why I agreed to do this little presentation um, because I know it makes no sense. I would do this for her, I would do that for her, I know you would, okay? And there's yet another issue and that if you live in one of these houses, one of these families, there's a rigid boundary between the family and the public. All right. Um, so people who walk by your house don't know anything's wrong there. There's a rigid boundary around you, but there are no boundaries in the house. Anybody can walk in on anybody doing anything. Um, all kinds of things like that can happen. Um, people are hit, people are molested, people are touched, people's privacy is violated. And believe it or not, in some families, there are no doors because sometimes somebody has decreed that there can't be any doors because no one can have any privacy. Wow. No one's going to do anything that the rest of the family doesn't know about. When I worked in the prison, there was a weekly meeting to discuss a case and we got a young man one week who talked about growing up in this kind of family with no doors. And one of the psychiatrists got on him for making that up. And I, I couldn't handle it. I had to have a fight with the psychiatrist, which I remember fondly to this day. <laughs> he said it was Pseudologia Fantastica, meaning the kid made it up. And I said, no, it's really Tipia Icebergia, because you don't know about the rest of the family. <laughs> he never liked me after that. I never understood why. Here I was, a lowly social worker, but I could not handle that. 
Um, he's been treating people who grew up in families like this all of his life, and he had absolutely no idea. He probably was just assuming that everything the parents said was true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And not believing Absolutely the children. Absolutely not believing the children, which is a big mistake. And if you work in these kind of homes, which I have as well, you'll know yep. that the kids are often going to be more truthful than the adults. Oh, absolutely. And the, the kids will come in and tell you the truth. Then, And sometimes the parents will come in and say, the kids don't know anything about what's going around. D don't bother. They've already told me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The kids right. will tell you. So that was a lot to think about. There's a lot of information there that will hopefully help you guys that are dealing with a partner that has lived in this kind of environment and believe it or not there's a good chance they did oh yes um, I don't know that anybody knows any statistics on the population but it's higher than we want to think I would say it's somewhere between a fourth and a third mm -hmm. um, and as we cut back services to poor families because we think they're making out well it gets worse yeah I can tell you that Margaret is an excellent resource for you if you have a partner or an ex that lived in this kind of environment or you did, talk with Margaret. Talk with me. Do a Skype with Margaret. She can help. She knows this stuff inside and out. And believe it or not, all of these things that we talk about are related to breakups, understanding your partner, Absolutely. being able to figure out how to handle a situation, and try and get an ex back because the more insight you have, the more you're going to be able to handle a, a situation that's as delicate as this. And when I'll ask questions of partners who are dealing with someone who grew up in a family like this, they'd say, they'll say, well, I know a little bit about it, but I didn't want to ask too many questions. Yeah. Ask questions. If you, if you can do it gently, ask questions. But not if you're in the breakup. We're talking oh, no, about no, not. if you're yeah. in the romantic relationship yes. or in a relationship. Yeah, not in the breakup. No. Yeah, no, you don't want to do anything like that. That's not the time. That's if you've gotten back with that person and you've had some time to calm things down, yeah. sort things out. In the future, these are the kinds of things that, you know, when they come up, you or, do want to ask. Or if you're just dating someone and you have a feeling this might be the case for them, ask questions. It's okay. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so that was a lot of information. You guys might want to go back and watch this one again if you're in a situation that has any of these things coming up. Um, obviously, Margaret is a great resource for you if you've been in a situation like that. If you want to get my help personally, just go to my website, askcraig.net, sign up for the coaching option that works best for you. I do email and I do Skype. Margaret is also available for the Skype. I'm available for Skype, and for right now, I can get you in pretty quickly. Oh, but with the holidays coming up, yeah. you better get, get in, in with now. Soon. Yeah. Um, put a like on the video for Margaret and her hard work on this presentation for you guys. That's it for this video. I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret. And we will talk with you soon.